Hello and welcome to HPBA Hotcast. I'm here today with Sue Hawks, who's the CEO of Yes and an expert EOS implementer. Thanks for being with us today, Sue. Thanks for having me, Emily. Well, you gave a great keynote speech today, sponsored by HHT, to kick off our HPBA Expo in Louisville. And it was a lot of information about EOS, but first I want to ask just a quick question about your background. How did you get to where you are now? Such a long story, but it started door-to-door selling macrame plant hangers in fifth grade, um, which uh, facilitated the insight that I could make as much money as I wanted. And from there, it emerged into many career pathways, but ultimately helping entrepreneurs get what they want from their businesses. So you are an EOS implementer, an expert one. So tell me a little bit about what that means. Our listeners might not be familiar with the concept. So EOS is the Entrepreneurial Operating System. It's an operating system to help you and your leadership team run a better business. And my pathway there was I grew up in the people side of business, training and helping teams be high performers, both in coaching, leadership development, communication, those kinds of things. And along that road, one of many clients, I had three of them in succession say, hey, if you were teaching this, this book Traction, I I would hire you. And I finally went, oh, three of them are saying this. I probably should check it out. And I read the book in a day. And I went, why am I not teaching this? This makes so much sense for smaller businesses to help them run better. And it was filling some gaps in the things I knew to be true. So I went off to boot camp and it was over after I saw it implemented. Okay, you mentioned the book Traction, mm-hmm. and, and is that where EOS comes from, and who wrote the book, and where did that all come from? So Gino Wickman is the author, and Gino was, I will say, thrown into his family business with his dad. His dad had a real estate training business, and he was thrown in in the midst of a turnaround, and he found out very quickly he had a knack for business, but he didn't love running a business, but he could do it. So in a seven-year window, he started also concurrently Entrepreneurs Organization, EO, in Detroit. And during, during that time frame, he found out, I'm more of a mad scientist. I want to find out why the ones that are doing it well are doing it. And that was the birth of what became EOS because he started practicing on his cohort. Well, that's, that's really, that's very cool. Now, you'd mentioned some other people involved as well mm-hmm. in your keynote speech earlier today, which I know people haven't listened to on here, but um, who are some of the other people involved in this? So what you'll hear are pieces and parts from Jim Car- Collins, Vern Harnish, um, Patrick Lencioni, uh, Dan Sullivan. So there's some of his mentors, Sam Cup, who's his personal mentor, and also um, Floyd Wickman, Gino's dad. Okay. Cool. Ah. I just want to get all straight because yeah. a lot of names out there. So you talked about the six key components, mm-hmm. and that's, I guess, the, the core of all this and, and how they're implemented and how they should be used. Can you give a, a quick rundown of what those six components are? And we'll probably dig in a little deeper to certain parts of that. Absolutely. In a high level, there's six key components. What Gino found was these companies that ran really well, like two out of 100, so don't feel bad if yours isn't. Um, 
they had a system for strategic execution. And so there were six key components, meaning out of all the things that are priorities for you, the 136 or so any given day, how do you sort and simplify that? And what he found was they all had a vision component, how you get everyone on the same page with where you're going and how you're going to get there. You had a people component, which is getting right people in the right seats, defining what great people look like for your organization. You had a data component, which was about dialing in like the pulse on the health of your company, five to 15 numbers. You have an issues component, which is the fourth one, which is how you identify the friction points in your business, what's slowing you down, ticking you off, getting in the way. You have a process component, how you systematically produce the consistently great results you do and really getting that documented and simplified. And then you have the traction component, which is the discipline, focus, and accountability to execute on all of them throughout your organization, whether that's 10 of 10 people or 200 of 200. Okay, this sounds very complicated. <laughs> and it sounds like something that some of our members, you know, we have a lot of retailers, mm -hmm. and a lot of family-owned or small businesses. They might have five people or, or, or 10 or 20. How, how would you approach a small business like that where it seems like there's just a lot of work here, a lot of steps to follow? Yeah, what I would tell you is you use those six key components more as a lens to see your business through so you can see where you're strong because most businesses have several of those already in great shape. There are places you're neglecting, and that's where you can intangibly and very directly impact greater results. But our ideal customers are 10 to 250 employees. So if you're a little bit smaller than that, it will still work. But I will tell you how you employ it means more effort because there's less humans. But it's not complex. It's pretty simple. It's not easy. It takes iterations over time. And again, thinking about our retailers and, and how people seem to have to wear a lot of hats. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I'll say HPBA, everybody who works there wears a lot of hats. Mm -hmm. I know you had talked about people being in the right role, the, the right person in the right seat. Mm -hmm. How do you address that when you just don't have enough people and when people have to wear multiple hats sometimes? Yeah, so they do. The birth of every good company is that. And what we call it when you get stuck where you plateau financially or you're just not able to output anymore, that's where you have to take risk, right? So growing a business requires mm -hmm. risk. We all know that, and it's uncomfortable. Lord knows we didn't take the safe, easy path. So when you hit that ceiling as a company and you might have your butt in many seats or doing many jobs, what you have to do is tell the truth. You have to go back to and learn to simplify and look at what do you have unique ability to do? If you could spend your time doing just that all day, and maybe it's two things instead of three or five instead of six, how do you simplify that? And it starts to push you to delegation. And I tell people that and they'll be like, but we already don't have enough people. And I'll say delegation is not just to a person. Could be a project, you might outsource it. You might find a 1099, you might find a part-time person, you might find a full-time person. Those are all human things, but there's automation now. Is there an app for it? I tell people to ask that on a monthly basis because there's always new things. Like smaller business in this moment in window and time, chat GPT is absolutely a game changer because you can get marketing done decently 
maybe better than a human using automation. So how do you leverage automation? Or how do you let some stuff go? You may not be able to do it all and simplify what you're doing. So there's many ways to delegate, but you can't elevate or grow your business till you start to take some of those chunks. So you have to start methodically around what roles and accountabilities really are being neglected, because they are, because you can't have your butts in multiple seats. Right. <laughs> I know we, we try and it doesn't work out very well. Right. So I want to talk, I want to zero a little bit about, there are two things you brought up and there are kind of the big, the big parts of, of the big two components, mm -hmm. the, the people and the other one was the vision. The vision. Um, vision, I think, is uh, something people can get caught up in because I think you talked about kind of chasing after the shiny object. Mm -hmm. And you told some cool stories about, about successful businesses that were, that were in their lane and went out of their lane and got into some trouble. Yeah. So we have an industry that people often are always thinking about you know, on the retailer side, mm -hmm. uh, diversifying. You know, mm -hmm. their, their product line. Years ago, a lot of hearth retailers decided it was time to, they, they picked up grills because mm -hmm. it's a counter-seasonal product and made sense. Mm -hmm. How do you talk to a retailer that says, you know, I might be chasing a shiny object, but there's some logic to it? Yeah, so there are times to diversify your business. And when the market is disrupting, you have to be responsive. That's where entrepreneurs, I say, are nimble and sharp, and they might save their business. But what we're talking about when we talk about the shiny object part is specifically core focus, which is why you do what you do and what you have superior skill to do. There's a lot when we get that dialed in with people that's broad enough to allow you to diversify, but it's got to be in that lane because our systems and processes drive that. And when we start to step outside that lane, that's where we kind of cause whiplash to the organization because we're chasing something and then suddenly we're chasing a new thing and we're at the bottom of the hill, not midway up or going to the top of the hill. So examples, I mean, do you have, do you have a couple stories of, of successful uh, diversification versus the unsuccessful shiny object chase? Yes, so things I think about are what you just talked about, where you add a new product line within that same niche, totally okay, as long as we have the scaffolding and it fits with how our business runs. And so I always look at if our processes can easily add that and we can start to grow a line of business, it starts to be a parallel track. So it becomes like that channel for operations. Mm -hmm. If it, however, in the one I used in the keynote is my snow knife example, where I have a plastic injection molding company that's doing like the seat holders for cars and they buy a snow knife, that's outside your lane. It's not even what you do. And what the visionary thought was, well, it's a great advantage on a spreadsheet. My accounting firm told me I need to buy something. We have too much cash. And so he went and did that, but he mm -hmm. took the whole organization which, with him which their financials then showed immediately for the next two quarters, there was a ding because we're taking everyone's eyes and moving them from, say, if we said California's the destination, we're going instead of San Francisco, we're now going to LA. Mm -hmm. okay. Might still be in the state, but it's, there's plastic on the snow knife, but it has nothing to do with what we do. Right. 
so going back to kind of the beginning, when you when you start working with a company, and what what's the, what are the first steps? What what's the first thing you do, and and how and where do you go from there? Yeah, we begin with three things. We talk about vision, traction, and healthy. So vision, getting everyone aligned with where they're going and how they're gonna get there. And that's the first three days of our work. And the alignment is really, we flush up people issues, we flush up process issues. So where I um, talked about the two first components, vision and people being the heavy ones, the big ones for the talk, they're all critical. So process tends to be a giant thing down the road. Most companies, that's not their first thing. And they're actually a little, um, avoidant of it because we think it's going to bureaucratize our nice little fast-moving company. Um, we have to get data, so that's part of that initial work. How do you measure the KPIs and know if you're really doing the right activities to produce the results you want? We have to teach teams how to be healthy, and I always say about 30 or 40 percent is the system and about 60 or 70% is learning how to work as a team because oh, most yeah. leaders are not great team players. Mm -hmm. They're great independent contributors. Mm -hmm. So we're overcompetent, overworked, frustrated people who don't get all the intangible benefit as we are one. And so that alignment is consistent over the two-year period I typically work with companies. So, so it's a two-year commitment. If a, if a company typically. really wants to do this properly, they have to commit to the two years. Yep, I tell them mentally, prepare mm -hmm. yourself for that. It takes us with a professional certified or expert implementer, mm -hmm. 10 to 12 sessions, which are once a quarter over that two year period. Sometimes they're a little faster, sometimes they're a little slower, depending on how big the company is and what their learning curve is. And I would say how many people issues they have. Right. Um, yeah. And getting the right team is really the secret sauce. Yeah, that people issue that you brought up, I mean, that's, that's eye-opening about, about making sure you have the right people. And I think it got a lot of attention of people in the audience of uh, thinking about how often we make excuses for people who are doing a great job but maybe don't fit in as well. Right. Or they're great people and they're not doing a great job. Exactly. Two biggest traps. Yeah, exactly. Well, we all think about that. I, I want to go into kind of a different direction. Um, as a woman, mm -hmm. and the hearth and barbecue industry at, at our level, fairly male-dominated. Mm -hmm. We've started doing um, a women mentoring program, really trying to identify and, and help women grow in the industry. And I know that EOS is not gender specific. Correct. Absolutely not. But I think, and you had mentioned that that when it comes to the visionary versus the integrator, you you see gender roles. I mean, how do you how do you see this for a woman business owner or women in the industry? I mean, just kind of, I guess I'm just looking for your general thoughts about about women in business and and what we need to do to be better. <laughs> well, I have lots of thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. That might be a whole different thing <laughs> that really is non-EOS specific. Mm -hmm. I would tell you that EOS is gender neutral. Mm -hmm. It really is. How women do it, if it's a more predominantly woman-owned or woman-led company, um, I would say what I observe from my seat is women can be tough and compassionate a little more gracefully than some men can. It's mm -hmm. not all by any means, and it's really not gender specific. I've written a book called Chasing Perfection that's much more, and it's Chasing Perfection, Shatter the Illusion. We're gonna republish it this year with a new title called Stop Chasing Perfection. 
um, because I think that's where most women struggle. And so I think our, um, we are in a patriarchy. It was designed by men for men, and we've adapted to that, but I'm not sure. I think the emergence for women of our leadership style being just fine um, is coming, and I think it's coming more strongly and, and more welcomed, but I, I don't see any difference really truly in the EOS world. I think less women have gravitated toward it, toward it because it's just not been around for us to learn. Right. Well, it's, we had a, a speaker in the past talk about how the importance of selling in the, for the retailers when the couple comes into your shop, don't ignore the woman. Yeah. And then we've actually done some research uh, on our end about how women tend to make the big decisions about the big expenses. 80% of the time, just 80% exactly. of the time. <laughs> it, it's just, I don't think we can overemphasize that fact to our, to our members about the importance of um, thinking about that when, and making sure their sales force is aware of that. So mm -hmm. I just like to bring that up because, um, well, gender is an interesting topic to talk about it sometimes. Is. And, and it's, it's good to talk about it. What else would you want to share with, again, our, our members tend to be the small retailers. Um, you know, that's the majority of our membership. What else do they need to know? What, can, what would you want to tell them to help them be better business people? You know, I would say the heart and soul of small business is something that makes me so proud to grow companies because we're in it because we want to do it. But the objective of EOS is we're really committed to people living their EOS life. And it's a trademarked five-sentence thing, which is doing work you love with people you love, making a huge difference, being compensated appropriately with time for other passions, to time to pursue other passions. And as I tell that to people, and sometimes they're like, oh, right, you know, or, oh, that's kind of <laughs> cheesy. And I will tell you wholeheartedly, I watch people do it every day. I have a visionary, the founder of a company. It's an office supply company. They do furniture and, you know, set up environments. And he's on sabbatical right now. And I was telling Allie, if, I, if it fits in while I'm doing the talk, I'll talk about it, but it fits here. When I met him a year, a little over a year ago, they're newer to the process, but they're rounding that halfway point. He has a, an amazing integrator. And the two men were there, and I said, I want to get you to take a sabbatical. Because if we don't give you some juice back in your tank, you're not going to survive this well. Because he's burned out. And his mm -hmm. integrator is also so gifted. And what his integrator said was, if we can just get him whole, we'll be better. Right. But I can get this corrected in here because... His ninja skill is running the business. He's been on sabbatical right now two weeks. I haven't heard from him. And I've checked in with the integrator twice going, how is it? And he goes, we only hear from him once a week. And he said, oh, my God, it took him a week to say, I didn't realize how bad it is. I really mm -hmm. need this. And so I won't see them for that 90-day window. He's doing an entire quarter. Wow. So more to come. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you, sometimes that's the single most heroic thing we do is refuel the person who put mm -hmm. their sweat equity in first mm -hmm. um, because you're killing yourselves doing the right thing for others, but you've got to have that reciprocity. It's got to include the employees and whatnot. So I would say start with the book. If you're not ready for the full meal, 
and look up the resources that are online and that are available to you. And we can make some available, they're free. Start there, if it makes sense, take a look at it. If it doesn't and you're not a reader, listen to the book. 80% of our audience doesn't read, they listen. So here we are in a podcast. Exactly, <laughs> we had to make that change. Uh, I just want one last question before we wrap up. Yeah. You've been doing this, you said you've been doing this for- 11 years. 11 years, and so right in the middle of that, COVID. Mm-hmm. How, how has COVID impacted this and this whole process? I mean, not just you're running your business, mm-hmm. but on the business side, you talk about people taking a sabbatical and mm-hmm. people have been working from home and the home life balances. I've just see a shift. And, and obviously from my privileged position of being, you know, white collar where I can work from home. Yes. That there's so much emphasis now on that, uh, the self-care. Yeah. Because we've been having to self-care. How has that impacted what you're doing? So much longer answer, but I'll try and synopsize it. Um, I did the closing keynote for EOS Worldwide. So I really dissected this because we were coming out of the pandemic when I did that. Literally, it wasn't over yet. Mm -hmm. So building that keynote was very interesting. What we saw in the initial phase when it first hit was everybody put on the brakes and you you couldn't see three minutes, let alone three months. And so we offered our clients, we did work for free for an entire quarter. We just said, when you need a system the most is when it's hard. And it was hard for everyone. Mm -hmm. And so we did a lot of process redesign because everyone's figuring out if they were essential, how to do that, if they were remote, how to do that. And if they were somewhere Mm -hmm. integrated or hybrid, that was its own special mess. And so there was a lot of process rewrite and a lot of accountability chart work. We saw dramatic scaling of business where they were in the right business at the right time and could mm-hmm. seize crazy opportunities. Mm-hmm. So they went, you know, and in this industry with mm-hmm. the home remodels and people being home, you know, I had, I had roofing companies make their 10-year target in one year because of the combination of mother nature and a pandemic. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we did was say, we can't count on that. So we aren't going to say, now we're done. We're going to hold because we have to say how long, right? How long will mm-hmm. this last? We had business get, businesses get devastated, but the system, staying true to the system, helped mm-hmm. them adjust the right things. So when there's issues, and that's all it is, we have a tool for that. So we would go to the mm-hmm. tool and we double down. So it was a lot of the same kinds of things. As we continue to redefine what business looks like in this more integrated world we're all in, Mm -hmm. along with what the economy is doing and all these things, we have to see problems before they get there. That's what your scorecard allows. Adjust as necessary, be opportunistic in finding solutions for problems, but also leverage the wisdom at Mm -hmm. expos like this with people like you, Emily, to go, how can I learn from others Mm -hmm. doing the same thing? Because they might be further down the path or behind it. But I tell people, my clients, we double down on the system when it's hard because that's when it benefits you the most. People get fat and happy when it's easy. Oh, absolutely. And sloppy. Mm -hmm. And so I always say, if you can remember the discipline you have when it's hard and money is might be scarce or resources or humans. If you can remember the discipline there when you are in that fat and happy place, Mm -hmm. you will scale, Mm -hmm. but you have to have these pieces in place. And so it's stay true to it, but there's no easy answer here. Right. Well, generational 
pandemic, nobody saw it coming. Correct. And, and you're right. I mean, if you have the if you have the structure and you have the vision and you have the core values and all that, you can get through it. Right. And you don't the go bedrock. You, you don't go buy the the snow ice, snow knife. <laughs> Not ice, bad. You know, when you have all the money because you don't know what's going to come around the corner, but right. you're ready for it. Right. That's very interesting. Yeah. yeah. The core values and core mm -hmm. focus mm -hmm. never change. Mm -hmm. Never. I only have one business that literally, like I had an alcohol business, mm -hmm. um, a woman that I work with, her business grew 200 and some percent during the pandemic, not just from people drink when it's happy and they drink when it's difficult, mm -hmm. but people were at home. So it wasn't at the bar, it was at home. Right. Mm -hmm. And then she made hand sanitizer, which was mm -hmm. in huge demand because <laughs> yeah. it's alcohol. Mm -hmm. And she got on that early. Her business like blew up and she's been able to maintain it. That's excellent. Well, anything else you want to add? Or I, I think we can wrap up and go out and enjoy Expo. I mean, I wish everybody listening could be at Expo because it's going to be fantastic this year. But we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for inviting me. This Expo is terrific. And I would tell anyone I'm going to be shopping personally because I'm in the midst of a remodel, indoor and outdoor. But thank you for having me, Emily. Thank you for what you're doing for this. This is a, an incredible event. Great. Well, thank you again, and, and uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you for joining us today. As the Trade Association for the Barbecue and Hearth Industries, we want to provide updates on the topics that affect us all. For more information, visit us at hpva.org and follow us on our social media channels. Be on the lookout for our next episode coming soon.